Good morning, everyone, and welcome into the WLCA Sports Show. Some technical difficulties, you know. We got the band back together. Yeah, great start, isn't it? Yeah, I know. We get the band back together, and it's like we forgot the drums or something. I'm your host, Tanner Hendrickson, alongside Nathan Piercy, Ethan Hannaford, Nathan Tucker are out today. So, we got the band back together. A little throwback, why not? A little throwback, why not? Uh, Even though it's not Throwback Thursday, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) We got a great sports show for you today. A lot of developments last night in the, can we call it a saga now? Yeah, I think so. So the Alex Petrangelo saga got interesting. We'll touch on that here in just a second. We'll also talk some Cardinals baseball, and is it really possible that they could miss the playoffs? And the Big Ten is back. They will start play, and we'll discuss that in a little bit, and we'll make our NFL picks today. But let's go ahead and start off with the saga, if we can call it that, I guess. Uh, let's let's kind of have a timeline here just a little bit. Petro, uh, on Tuesday, talked with Pierre Lebron and said, it's been a little disappointing that we haven't been able to get a deal done, obviously, but this situation that we're in, we're over three weeks away from October 9th, which is when free agency opens. There hasn't been a whole lot of discussion where things are at. And you're thinking, okay, well, maybe the Blues are just working some things out. Well, last night, a tweet from TSN's Darren Dreger Sources say contract talks between the Blues and Petro have broken off. The team has advised Petro to pursue free agency. You're thinking, boy, I really hope that's fake news. It has to be. (laughs) Well, then he tweets out, not maybe 10 minutes later, spoke with Alex Petrangelo, who said contract talks haven't gone the way both sides were hoping, and unless something changes, it's in the best interest for both to see what the market looks like on October 9th. And then Jeremy Rutherford tweets out, the Blues' current offer is $7.7 million, a average, or annual average value for his salary but Petrangelo has been asked to accept that without knowing the structure of the deal and then this morning about an hour ago Andy Strickland from Fox Sports Midwest tweets out the Alex Petrangelo camp wants as high as 9.25 million per year so now we look at this and we go is it really over do we know the fate of Alex Petrangelo here in St. Louis well I mean it's very worrisome obviously um I mean he's our captain he is arguably the best defenseman in the league right now. Um, I, I I think that personally, um, but it's yeah, it's 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 a little worrisome. But at the same time, I I took a lot of what was said into the uh, the, the the post about see see its best interest for both sides to see what it's like come October 9th. and if the Blues are in the or in the range or can make it to the range that they're talking about that everyone else is giving him, then they'll give it a chance. If there's no way that they can reach that same level of what other teams are offering, then unfortunately I think he walks. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that at all. But I think that's what what's going to happen. Yeah, I think now that it is basically set that Alex Petrangelo is going to walk. And I'm going to be honest with you, I agree. I don't want to see Petro go. It was going to be really hard for the Blues to bring him back. I I came on here once the Blues got eliminated, uh, called in for a segment when we were talking about it with Ethan and uh, Tucker, and I said, Armstrong's going to have to pull a bunny out of a hat to really get it. I mean, it's going to be a magic trick for him to make this work. And if he's looking for $9 million, the Blues currently have about $5 million in salary cap space. And if he wants $9 million, so we're looking Is that at- after offloading Allen? Yeah. They've okay. got just about $5 million, which is like, I think, fourth least. Yeah, fourth least amount of cap space in the league. And you look at that and you go, okay, well, then there you would be $4 million short of being able to sign Petrangelo. And you go, well, you know, you just said $4 million. Well, that's fine. You still got Vince Dunn to lock up, who's a restricted free agent. Right. So 
the Blues have a lot of depth at defense. That's the good news. It's not like we're saying, oh my gosh, Petrangelo goes, we've got five terrible defensemen that we can look at. You've got a lot of depth, and that's not what... It, it doesn't make me worry as much about the defense. And the defense did look bad in the playoffs. And we saw that because Bennington and Allen faced a lot of shots and didn't get much support. But honestly, looking at the Petrangelo situation, I kind of expected this, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I did too. Uh, it, it's it's simply just a numbers game at this point, um, and 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 there's it's really hard to 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 figure out what they want to do because at this point you're looking at possibly trading Steen, but no one's going to want him for his his contract because his contract is so big and he's basically a third to fourth liner now, and the other option would be Bozak, but if what Bozak's getting paid—that's the second, about second line center, and he's not that. If if you know, I know you and I have talked off air about this, but if Bozak's your second line center, you got some issues, and you're probably a mediocre team, right? You know, I kind of figured we were talking on Thursday, and we were discussing, you know, let's bring up the petrol situation. Let's kind of discuss where we're going to go with this. And I almost was like, you know what? The Blues have a first round pick. I think it's for the first time since. 2017 maybe maybe 2018 so this is their first first round pick in two or three years and I almost thought you know I wonder if they're going to have to deal that to create cap space and by that I mean attach that with a Steen or attach that with a Bozak now Bozak maybe not maybe you could get some get someone in return but you're going to have to offset salary a little bit somewhere because not a lot of teams have space now there are a couple of teams when you look in the NHL that still have to get to the minimum five teams have to reach the minimum Currently, now some of them have a lot of players that are going to have to re-sign. But you look at like Ottawa, Detroit, maybe take a veteran, maybe it's someone to get in there. Especially Detroit, Whew, boy, what a bad year they had. <laughs> they were weren't they eliminated by like the end of January? Yeah, it, it was like the <laughs> earliest ever. It yeah, was yeah, bad. it was so it was rough. They could have been a team that you could say, hey, we'll get you a little veteran experience with Steen, and we'll attach a first round pick. Clearly, the Blues, looking at this, either a didn't want to get rid of the first round pick. B, really like their roster now that we're looking at a possible post-Petrangelo era and say, you know what, we're still deep. We want to remain what we have in the with our forwards because to me the only person that they could have traded, and I know that Bozak makes sense with his cap, was Swartz. And you don't really want to you trade don't want Swartz. To do that, no. And Perron's there too, but Perron was your best player in the playoffs. Now now here's something to me that, that I've seen and I, I think would be interesting to watch unfold and – why not put Tarasenko on long-term IR? Let him sit out the year. I I, I see you facepalming over there. But listen, the man has had multiple shoulder surgeries. And like you've said on this show before, a shoulder surgery in, in hockey is so tough to come back on. Let him get a full year of recovery and strength back. We saw what they could do without him. That's going to open up more cap space, and you're able to sign Petrangelo for the long term. I don't you know. Saw I don't know where to begin. Without without Tarasenko, this team was the was still tops in the West. But imagine if you have a healthy Tarasenko, what are you then? But is he going to be healthy? Well, here's the thing. Why not take I, that year to let him be fully healthy? To me, you can't look at much into the Tarasenko in the playoffs. We know he didn't play well. And I said when we were hosting the show last year that I said, look, they're going to have to before the pandemic. They're going to have to play him a couple regular season games because it's going to take a while for him to get A, his shot back, and just B, get back into regular season hockey form. So I put him on long-term IR probably just hurts him more in the long term. And I get that you're going to save the $10 million, And I understand where you're coming from. Of Oh, let's save $10 million now, sign Petrangelo. 
you're not going to be able you're to set up for the future. You're not going to be able to sit him out for the full year. He's going to return this season. So they may still put him on long-term IR, and that may just be create some room for the Dunn signing. But I think right now the Blues are set to sign Dunn probably to, I don't know, maybe one to three million per year. And putting Tarasenko on long-term IR doesn't solve anything. Because if you sign Petrangelo, Tarasenko comes back, you're looking at being, what, $19 million? No, sorry, about $10 million over the cap. What do you do then? If you're the best team in the West, you want to trade away $10 million worth in salary? No. Anything you want to add. So to me, putting Tarasenko on long-term IR is not a solution for the Blues. The best way for this to happen is they're going to have to make a trade or... And I don't. Everybody, I've seen a lot of people ripping on the offer for Petrangelo, seven point seven million per year. I read an article last night. I think it was right before the bubble started, and they were predicting some of the top free agents. Now that we at the point where we knew the cap wasn't moving. Remember, that's the key here. Right. Yeah. Because if the cap was going to go up, this was not going to be a problem at all. Yeah. The cap goes up. We're probably talking to Petrangelo extension already. Right. So that's really what's really hindered this too. But when I read this article, they predicted Petrangelo to take a home team discount, or hometown discount, I guess, at $5.5 million on a one-year deal. That's way less than 7.7 the Blues are offering. Right. So I still think, I don't think the Blues are low. They are low-blowing Petrangelo. I think they're really hoping for a hometown discount. Well, and I, and I think that comes back to let, let him hit free agent market, see what he's getting offered somewhere else. And it... Let's say a team offers him eight. Well, does he take that home team discount and go for the 7.7? Or does he take the eight? Because you got to remember, too, he now had, he, they just had another baby, so they have four kids now. And trying to up and, and move them is going to be difficult. And his wife's from St. Louis. And his wife is from St. Louis. So I think there's a lot that goes into this, and, and more than just. You know the salary and, and and hockey. It's a business decision, but it's also a life decision for his family and his kids. Uh, but another team that I've kind of heard getting a lot of talk about possibly signing him is Toronto. It's where he's from. They they need defense help, but they have a lot invested in, in their top guys as well. And they don't have a lot of cap space, and they're going to have to look at locking up some of their other guys too. Uh, looking here at. Cap friendly. They've got five roster spots open, and they've got six million in cap space. So they're in a worse spot than the Blues, if you look at it like that. Yeah, the Blues, according to this, now granted, I don't think this accounts for restricted free agents like Dunn. Have one roster spot open at five million projected cap space, and that one roster spot would be Petrangelo's. Right. But that again, that's not counting Vince Dunn, who's a big key here too. Uh, Who, in my opinion, had a breakout year last year. I thought the last year was by far his best season as a Blue, and and Vince Dunn. Yeah, I thought Dunn played really well. Uh, Marco Scandella was another person that came in and played well. I think that's another reason, too, we look at this. The Blues have kind of prepared for this. I remember when they made the trade for Justin Falk, I sat in this studio and said, boy, this is a great trade in case Petro walks. This is fantastic. And I know he didn't get off to a good start, but if he becomes your number one defenseman, which he may not, but if he gets more ice time and is on the power play more, I think we're going to see a better Justin Falk. I, I agree, and we saw we kind of saw that in the playoffs. My worry is is now who who steps up? Because, I look, I like Bortuzzo. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he's a guy who you can rely on 82 in, for 82 games. And if that if not him, then you have to look young at 
you know, who you have down in the minors. I know they're big on Mitch Ranky and Nico Mikola. I'm not sure which one of those guys is right-handed. Um, but you're relying on, on young guys. So that's another worry, too, unless you want to go with two lefties and possibly bring up last year's first uh, – their first pick, that Scott Perunovich, who I know is was big in college. He won the Hobie Baker Award. He's a great player, but can you trust a kid straight out of college to come in and and play defense in the, at the NHL level? Yeah. Well, I'll say this before we go to a break. I have more faith in the, some of these younger Blues players than I do in some of the younger Cardinals players. Yeah, I, I agree there. And let's discuss that next. Let's dive into some baseball. The Cardinals, since last week's show, 5-5, five and five, and they may miss the playoffs. And the outfield? Still not producing. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show, and it's time to hop in our time machines, Nathan. This is my favorite part of doing this. It's time for this date in history. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to travel through time. I bid you adieu. All right, so this date in history... September 19th, back in 1931, Lefty Grove wins his 30th game of the season over the White Sox 2-1. In 1947, the great 42, Jackie Robinson, is named the Rookie of the Year. In 1955, Clubs Cubs slugger Ernie Banks hits his record fifth Grand Slam of the season. In 1992, Barry Bonds joins Willie Mays, Howard Johnson, and Ron Grant, uh, Ron Gant as having two 30 home run, 30 steal seasons. So two 30-30 seasons. In 2000, Ken Griffey Jr. pinch hits his 400th home run, the first major leaguer to reach the mark as a pinch hitter. In 2008, Greg Maddox pitches his 5,000th career inning against the San Francisco Giants. And that is your date in his, this date in sports history. Wow, that's a lot of innings. But how about 30 wins? Yeah, 30 wins in a season back in 1931. I would almost bet my whole life earnings that that will never happen again. It's not yeah. happening from a starter. No. The only thing that I could see would be a reliever that gets a lot of innings and just gets lucky just gets, gets lucky. a lot of wins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even then, that's a stretch. Well, And... and, and Kind of look at that too. I mean, it was a two to one game, so that's a back and forth. Like easily could have could have lost it. Cause, I mean, I don't know how many innings he went, but you know, you go seven innings and it's two to one, and you're like, oh well, uh, hope my bullpen can hold this out for me. Yeah, then you get that guy with the thirtieth win. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's two to one. We're kind of uh, used to seeing that kind of score with the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Man, that offense is bad. Yeah, but the pitching's good. Pitching's good. Defense is. It's almost I feel, good. I feel like the Cardinals this year are kind of what my old basketball coach used to say. If we're really good defensively, we can win two nothing. And it's like, well, that's really that's hard to do, but I guess we could shoot for that. And Cardinals are like, our pitching's really good. We can muster one run. Just one. We can win. Right. That's yeah. like that's a bad motto. Yeah, you know, we say that yeah, yesterday in the doubleheader, they they scored a combined thirteen. So yeah, well, okay, they're playing the Pirates. Yeah. Well I mean Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Right, Pirates right, right. fifteen and thirty six, the worst mark in baseball. But you saw today. that coming. I mean, I didn't. Really? No. I hope you're kidding because I saw them being awful. I mean, I saw them being bad. I didn't see them being the worst in MLB. 
Well, okay, I guess that's true. I could have seen Detroit, Baltimore, or Kansas City being that bad, or even Seattle, but Seattle's in the hunt for a playoff spot yeah. in this stupid format. Um, but let, let's talk about the Cardinals. Since the last show, last Saturday, the Cardinals have played 10 games, a couple doubleheaders in there. They're 5-5. Five and five, and Which is exactly what you expect. Yeah, man, I kind of figured they'd be a 500 team in a normal <laughs> season and in a 60. Yeah, they're perfect. They're 24-24 and 24 entering today. Somehow second in the NL Central. Tied for second with the Reds, who are 26 and 26. True. And Milwaukee's not far behind at 24 and 26. Cardinals currently are the sixth seed in the new playoff format and right now would face the Atlanta Braves in a best of three series, which honestly the Cardinals might be favored in that series based on pitching because I know Atlanta's starting rotation's not been great. But boy, the Cardinals have to get some production from the outfield and just listen to some of these numbers from the last 10 games. The total outfield, which has had I think six players, I think I counted. We've seen Lane Thomas, Justin Williams, Rangel Rovello. We've seen Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson last night. I think that's everybody. I don't know. That's seven names. Seven guys have played in the outfield. Is there anybody else? I'm did I mention to... Lane Thomas? I think I did. Yeah. I think that's I think that's everybody. But here's the numbers yeah, in these ten uh... games. All those guys have played in the outfield. Nineteen for fifty which is a 200 batting average. They've had four home runs, most of those coming from Tyler O'Neill. 14 RBIs, they've struck out 31 times. And you go, boy, that's not very good. And, and here's the troubling part. You said 19 for 50? Yeah. 10 of those hits have come from Tommy Edmond. Yeah. Ha- over half of the hits from the total outfield have come from one player. Yeah, it's not great. However, Justin Williams did get his first MLB hit. We saw a monster shot. From Carlson Dylan Carlson last, last night, who went two for three, by the way. Against the Pirates. And by the way. Still a two for three. It's a good confidence builder who, when he first came up, he didn't have the greatest success. It's true. But he, if, if he gets on a if he gets on a roll, though, I feel like that he might he may be pretty dangerous going into this final stretch of the season. He could be, but I want to see him hit against good pitching. I mean, the Pirates, let's be honest, not a great team. And Carlson coming back and doing what he did last night with the two homers, I'm good. It's good. I mean, why not? I mean, it's good enough to probably put him in the lineup for a couple days because no one else is going two for three. So, and looking at the schedule for the Cardinals, they will be at the Pirates again today and tomorrow before they take on the Royals. So, really, you're not going to see a lot of good pitching. So, yes, Carlson may be able to get his confidence back up. But, I mean, you look at this outfield, Bayer. Bader, 5 for 24, 296 on base, 333 slugging. O'Neill, 4 for 22, 182 batting average. Half of O'Neill's hits have been home runs. Uh, he's basically doing what Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles does, which is either homer or strikeout. Yep. On base but, percentage, but, 240. But we've known that about Tyler O'Neill. That's all he's ever been. Yeah, but when I vouched for Tyler O'Neill, I really kind of expected him to be a 220 hitter at, at least. At the beginning of the season, he looked really good as well. At the beginning of the season, the first few games – I, I thought he was going to be a stud. And then they got hit with COVID, and then now he's back to his old ways. And the same thing with Bader. Yeah. I, I, so this brings up the question. You know, we're looking at the Cardinals, and it looks like they're going to make the postseason. But, I mean, hopes are high that they make a run. But to me, once you get into that best of five, best of seven, do they really match up well, the offense? I mean, Atlanta, again, I think best of three, they could be favored in that series. But then you move on. You're looking at the Cubs or the Dodgers. Are you gonna first off? If you get the Dodgers, 
our pitching's great. I don't know if it's good enough to stop the Dodgers. That Dodgers lineup is loaded. Yeah. They went well and their helped, pitching's they good. went out and yeah. However, keep in mind though, their best pitcher, Clayton Kershaw, right? Oh, he sucks in the postseason. Not only in the postseason, against the Cardinals. Still one of my favorite images to this day is him giving up a home run to I believe it was Matt Adams in 2016. And he turned around and as Adams hit it, he turned around and squat and looked in disbelief as the ball was going into the Cardinals bullpen. That is still one of my favorite images of all time. Yeah, his struggles in the postseason are uh, hard to believe. Uh, but let, I want to talk about the Cardinal outfield. Is there a solution in this organization with 2000? With uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm looking to the next season with this Cardinals team. What do you do with the outfield? Is George Springer an actual possibility? Could you go out and sign him? He's a free agent. Do you make a trade for Nolan Arenado and move Edmund to the outfield? Do you uh, make a move for Francisco Lindor, move, kick someone to the outfield like Tommy Edmund? What can the Cardinals do? Carlson is going to be the guy in 2021. But there's still two more outfield spots. And Fowler's one to look at and right. He's more likely your starting right fielder. Fowler, is, is his contract up this year? Does he have one he's more? He's got one more he's year. He's got one more year. Then you've got Fowler, who has actually looked, in my opinion, he's looked really good this year. Aside from the injury, obviously. But when he was in there, he looked really good. And I think they're high on Bader still. Unfortunately, I think they're still really high on Bader. So I think next year your outfield is going to look Carlson, Bader, Fowler. Maybe O'Neal sprinkled in there somewhere, or maybe they dump him off somewhere. I don't know. But I think that's what they're looking at, at least right now, as their possible future outfield. So reading an article last night, the Cardinals, with this pandemic, are more than likely not going to. They just let go of a couple staffers in the scouting department, I think is where it was. So it shows that they're probably well, they, not going to be active in free agency. They also had a scout pass away from COVID. True. Uh, so it doesn't look like they're going to be active in free agency. So it's going to have to come from within. And they're probably not going to take on a contract like Arenado. Some, someone's going to have to step up from within. Because even though we say Carlson, Bader, and Fowler could be your outfield, you're going to need a fourth and fifth outfielder to step up. And O'Neal... Are, are, are we possibly looking at the same exact thing from, from this year? With are we no looking production at, in the outfield? Well, I, I was I meant more of the guys. Are we looking at those three plus O'Neal and Lane Thomas? Are we going to look at that for another year? I, Lane Thomas maybe, but he went four, well, I think it was four for thirty six, and they sent him back to the alternate site. To me, it's you got to give up on O'Neal now. He's got a lot of pop, but he's going to have to figure it out. And assuming there's a DH next year, which I think there will be in the National League, they don't fit. They don't fit in that spot either. Brad Miller's your DH. If the DH is there, Cardinals are definitely bringing back Brad. Well, Miller. what about what about um, Austin Dean? He's I know he's hurt again, but when he was in there, I think he played fairly well. That's he, another guy to look at. He could be someone to look at. I also think that you look a little bit harder at Justin Williams, even though I don't think that the Cardinals believe he's ready, or maybe they just don't believe that he could be a MLB outfielder just in general. I think he's someone that would get a longer look. I think Ravello. Uh, he could get a look, but you know, look at the Cardinals. I know that some of these guys were prospects. O'Neill was a prospect when we acquired him and swapped uh, Marco Gonzalez. But Ravello's an older guy that's a veteran in the minor leagues. I mean, there's just no one that really pops. And to me, Carlson is someone that you got to keep an eye on. 
And I think, honestly, too, we're going to see a change at the hitting coach. Jeff Albert's job is probably in jeopardy. I, I, I definitely agree on that one. Um, but what about looking at another Nolan? Not Nolan Arenado. But Nolan Gorman coming up, playing third, and Edmund goes the outfield. See, I don't like Edmund in the outfield. I just don't think he's as good defensively. So I'll make a misplay yesterday in the doubleheader. I like Edmund in third, which I don't think Gorman's ready either. I think Gorman's another year away, possibly. He could get the call next year, but you're going to have Matt Carpenter blocking him, and he's he's going to be with the team next year, well, too. I, I think they're about ready to dump Carpenter if he doesn't start producing. I don't know. Well, let's discuss a little bit of Matt Carpenter's future a little later on here in the show. Uh, let's talk some college football next. College football's week, I think we're in three. It's tough to keep track of with everybody having these different schedules. Uh, we'll talk some college football. Big news earlier this week, the Big Ten announced that they are going to start play on the weekend of October 24th. What does that mean for the Pac-12, and when could we see them play? That's next on the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show. As let's talk some college football. We're back in college football again, finally. Mike couldn't join us today. He's at a golf tournament. And he didn't tournament. invite us. Well, that's probably a good thing. because uh, I, Yeah, probably. I don't know about you, but my golf game, not great. I shoot 100 plus, so it's fine. I don't know if I'm that bad. 100 <laughs> oh, plus? Yeah, it's not. Oof. Yeah. Let's let's put it this way. Last time I went, I lost 10 or 12 golf balls. Oh, see, that's like an average for me. That's fine. <laughs> I understand that one. I have to buy more golf balls because I lost basically a whole pack last time I, I played. I have two left in my bag. Oof. Yeah. You need more golf balls. Uh-huh. Well, let's... Anyway. Kind of a quick timeline here for the Big Ten because they announced on Wednesday that they will start their college football season on the weekend of October 24th. Uh, a couple of things to look at in this. If a team has a positivity rate greater than 5%, the team must stop practice and competition for at least seven days until that metric improves. And any player that tests positive must sit out 21 days. That's a lot. That's huge. And honestly, I almost feel like putting that in, I don't know your thoughts on this, is just kind of one of those where it's like, let's put this in here and make sure the players know, hey, Take this serious because you test positive, you're missing two, no, three, possibly three, three yeah. college football games. And you guys wanted to play, hashtag we want to play. Well, you better avoid COVID and avoid all those frat parties because you test positive, you're out 21 days. So I look at this and I go, wow. I mean, yeah, it's, it's setting the precedent. It's saying, hey, we're not messing around with this. If you want to play, you're going to have to stay safe. And there's there's nothing... You know, there's nothing else about it. We Safety is our main priority, and if you guys want to play, that's fine, but this is what we're going to have to do. And, I mean, I know we, you and I kind of were talking about this as we were preparing for the show, but let's say, you know, Justin Fields at Ohio State gets it in the last couple of weeks of the season. That means he's missing out on the Big Ten championship game. That's huge for Ohio State. Yeah, and it, let's be honest, though. If it's a case of Ohio State wins the championship, Big Ten championship game, and then is more unlikely going to make it to the college football playoff, I think the rule will change. I'll just be honest. Because remember, we saw Chase Young last year get a one-game suspension in their last game of the year for what, something with uh, money allegations. Somewhere, somewhere in between, I think, him and his father is received money from Ohio State. You suspend Chase Young a game for that kind of allegation, against the worst team of the Big Ten. I think it was like Rutgers or someone. Like, come on, did it really matter? 
for that suspension. So I, I could see the rule being bent. But I find it interesting with the Big Ten. You know, you're coming back to play. But you look at how they handled this. Look, at, I mean, the Big Ten was, we're not going to play. We have medical information. And then it's, what, three weeks later? Then they see all these big teams start to play and, and all the attention it's getting. And then it's like, wow, we missed out. And they see the dollar signs and they go, ooh, we could come back and have some uh-huh. of that. Uh, or, did we say that we had a medical thing that we saw? It cha- it's miraculous. The you know, we, thing we've, dis- we've discussed with our medical experts, and they actually feel like this is the best way to move forward. Give me a break. I know. It's a joke. Uh, the Big Ten, look, I'm an Illinois fan, and they were I'm actually de- well, they were decent last year. They made a bowl. Come on. I know I know everybody like makes a bowl, yeah. but it was an accomplishment for Illinois. And they upset who was it? They upset Wisconsin. They really knocked Wisconsin out of the college football playoff last year. Lovey Smith seems to have the program going in the right direction. And I'm thinking this year, you know what? We're gonna have a decent team. Seven and five, maybe, compared to six and six. And now that they have a full Big Ten schedule, probably not. But uh I'm a Big Ten fan. I would love to watch Illinois football again. But the Big Ten, when you say that we're not gonna play. You should probably stick to we're not going to play instead of just changing it because you see the money that's being handed out to these schools and being like, you know what, we're going to play. I mean, the PR disaster that the Big Ten has brought upon themselves and the Pac-12 is going to do the same thing. Let's just be honest. It's a disaster. You should have stuck with your decision. If we're not going to play, you're not going to play, and then allow those kids that want to play to transfer. Like a Justin Fields, like a – what was that? I don't know. That was on your end, my guy. Dude, I think our thing's falling apart here. I don't know. but It's been a while. That's true. Uh, looking at this, I to me, the Big Ten handled this poorly. If you're going to say we're not going to play, you have to stick with that. I don't know your thoughts on that. but Oh, me- no, I, I 100% agree. I mean, if you're, if you're standing by so firmly that you're not going to play, we're not going to play, we're not going to play, too much of a health risk, and then you all, out of, just, out of nowhere, you're just like, no, nope, uh, we changed our mind, we're going to play, it looks terrible on your end. It really does. Yeah. Now, with the Big Ten coming back, how much pressure? How much pressure does this put on other uh, conferences like the Pac-12, like the MAC, that said we're not well, going to play? I mean, so with the the smaller ones, maybe not so much, but the Pac-12 to me has a big, another big hurdle to step over, and that's the, the wildfires going on on the West Coast. I mean, they're not just in California; they're all on the West Coast where in the areas of a lot of their schools to where not only are you worried about COVID and things like that, you're just worried about such poor air quality with the smoke and everything that that's another thing that's unhealthy for players. I mean, we're getting it here in the Midwest. We're getting that smoke coming all the way over here. And in some areas it's reached all the way to the East coast. So it's reaching across the country and it's already bad. I mean, I'm feeling, I'm asthmatic. I can, I can feel the problems that smoke is causing and we're not even near the fires. With some of those places there, that's another big issue that they've got to run into at the Pac-12. So you're not only you're not just worried about COVID and you're not and everything like that. You've got that extra hurdle to jump through. So at this point, I think the Pac-12 is is still going to have to you know hold off on their season. Yeah, and you can't do a bubble with the Pac- with college no. athletes and let alone football as a whole because there's just so many players. And college football is limiting the number of guys that travel. I think the number is 70 or 60. It's still a big Something number. Something like that, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot. Less than you, can, than you have in a normal year. Uh, looking at the Pac-12, the CEOs are meeting on Thursday. Could vote on a season, may not. 
Their goal is to start before January 1st. I think they're looking at around that October 24th, maybe a little bit later uh, as a start date. To me, the Pac-12, like you said, they've got the air quality issue that's going to happen. It's going to be tough for them to vote for a season until they can get the wildfires controlled out west. Uh, because this, the whole goal of this is to get your season done so your teams have a shot at the college football playoff. That's why the Big Ten really wants to get going by October 24th, and that's why they really cannot afford a team to have that 5% positivity rate and cancel a competition because they're trying to get this all done in, I, I don't know what, I think they're going to a nine-week schedule, I think. I think that's what the big, or no, 10-game conference schedule, I'm pretty sure. Something like that. So they have to get – they and cannot they, have a setback. Right, and and if you look at some of these other leagues, you know, the, the ACC, the, the Big 12, and the SEC, they've got some extra days in there. Um, kind of – I don't want to say for makeup games, but that's basically, you know, what it is. The Big Ten's not going to have that. That's another thing to look out for is that they're really condensing their schedule, and so they're, they're going to be hard-pressed for time, and if a team has to cancel a game or something, you may be looking at a straight forfeit instead of a, a postponed or rescheduling. Yeah, and I think that would sting more than not playing, is having to forfeit a game knowing yeah. we have guys, but the rules say we can't play. I want to ask you, too, real quick, what would you make of number 1 Clemson's performance at Wake Forest in, last week? Well, for one, I don't think Wake Forest is all that we expected. Um, I can agree with that. Clemson's clearly the better team no matter what. But I think, I think Trevor Lawrence is kind of pissed off from last year. I'd say through for 351 yards. <laughs> I mean, not to, not to uh, you know, I've I kind of dogged him, and I'm still not sure if if he is good enough to be a consistent NFL quarterback. But in terms of of college, and you know, he kind of had a down to me. He had a down year last year compared to the year before. He's coming back with some vengeance, and he lost some weapons from last year. Some of the wide receivers yeah. uh, was it T was it T Higgins. Is that who he lost? Or CD? No, CD no. name was Oklahoma. I want to say T. Higgins was something like Clemson. that. Yeah. But yeah, he throws for three hundred and fifty. I mean, I mean, yards. It, it it did help though. Etienne is back, and he can still dominate. Oh, he's a game. He's a beast. He he's going to be. What do you think? Top ten? Easy. Well, I don't know. Drafting well, running backs now, is and a it, lot of teams try to avoid. And it depends on who who has those picks because he may just you know not they may not need a running back. Well, that's true too, but yeah, he's he he's definitely a first round pick. I mean, he ran for 102 yards, 17 carries, a touchdown, uh, average six per carry. I mean, he's is it too early to say he might be the next? Well, Saquon Barkley hasn't had a great career, but to me, he kind of reminds me of a Saquon Barkley who dominated yeah. at Penn State. That's kind of who he reminds me of. Uh, so he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. And you know, looking at this week, there's only one top 25 matchup, and that is going to be between Louisville and Miami, Florida. Louisville's at home. Who are you going to take in this one? I, I, I like Miami still. I think they've got they've really grown their program uh, up a little bit, and, and they've got a good defense there. So I, I, I like this Miami team. And this is a 17 versus 18 matchup. Louisville's favored by a point and a half. So basically, kind of a pick 'em game. Yeah. See, I don't know. I'm kind of torn because Miami was kind of disappointing last year. Some higher expectations. Louisville was awful last year. And now they're ranked. And I think part of the reason that both these teams are ranked is because we don't have the Big Ten yet playing. Or we don't the have Pac-12. the Pac-12. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go with the home team. I'm going to take Louisville. We're going to be the opposite on this one. I'm going well, they're, Louisville. I, they're week. both 1-0. and uh, So it's kind of you know up in the air. Louisville last week beat Western Kentucky 35-21. And Miami uh, 
they faced off against UAB. Lane Kiffin is that Lane? No. No, Lane Kiffin's in. Lane Kiffin's in the a- ACC now. He's with is it Vanderbilt? Lane oh, Kiffin's he's not in, at. No, he left. He's in the SEC now. I'm 100 percent sure on that. I can't uh, remember who he's with. I know he he was at Florida Atlantic though. Yeah. Uh, but they faced off against UAB and won 31-14. So, I mean, both these teams are really no competition yet. Yeah. No. I don't know. I I'm feeling Louisville in this one. I to me the home field will give them a little bit of advantage. I don't think they're going to have fans. They may have limited amounts. We'll just have to see on that. And one thing I want to touch on uh, back back with Clemson is it's going to be interesting because assuming that they can go undefeated and get into the playoffs, it's going to be interesting what they'll be able to do considering they're facing an all-ACC matchup and their only probably real problem might be Notre Dame. So yeah. if they don't see that that style of play, which I feel like we talk about this every year. but well, We if definitely they don't, talked about it a lot last year. I know. But if they don't if if they don't see tough competition, what is that going to look like for them going into a, a playoff on a much higher caliber team, most likely, possibly like an Alabama or uh, or Oklahoma or something along that line? Well, we won't learn a lot from their game today as they take on the Citadel and they're favored <laughs> by like a hundred points. Uh, they will play Notre Dame this season on the road, uh, November seventh at the game to keep an eye on, and they finish currently with two ranked teams. Pitt at home and then at Virginia Tech. And unlike normal years where the ACC split into two divisions, it's all one division in the top two play for the college or for the ACC championship, which more than likely, like you said, Clemson and Notre Dame. Looks like Notre Dame is going to be, yeah, it looks like that's who they're going to play. Everybody else in the ACC, still going to say it, said it last (laughs) year. It's just a bunch of garbage cans. Yeah. So let me ask you this real quick before we go to break. Clemson, your favorite to win the college football playoff? No. Really? No. Who's your favorite? I've got to go with Alabama. That what? team is that team is so hard to bet against. Saban is so hard to bet against. He didn't even make it last year. I understand that, but LSU is not going to be who they are, who they were last year, I don't think, because they've lost, they lost, I think we talked about this with Mike last week, I think it was 13 starters. Yeah, they lost. I they lost a lot. Well, wait, hold on. How can you lose 13 start? Oh, 13 starters altogether. I thought you were talking offense because no, I immediately thought no, Joe Burrows, and I'm like, wait, you no. don't have 13 offensive players? No, but they did. They lost about they lost half their offense, so it's going to be tough. See, I look at it as, I don't know what your playoff prediction is. I see Clemson in. I see uh, Oklahoma in because I, I think they'll win the Big 12. I see Ohio State getting it now that they're playing Justin Fields. To me, there's not a lot of competition in the Big Ten. I think Ohio State runs away with that. And then the fourth, yeah, I could see Bama. I think Bama. I think Auburn's going to have a chance. So too. you don't have you, you don't even have Clemson in. No, I said Clemson. Oh, okay. Clemson, Oklahoma, uh, so, Ohio State. And I kind of like as a sleeper pick. I don't know if they'll get in, but Auburn with Bo Nix again. Okay. I think they could be a team to watch out for. So, but again, Bama's going to be really tough right. to beat. So last last week we gave our predictions uh, on it, but I think it's changed now because the Big Ten's in. Because originally I had Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Those are my four. But I think with adding the Big Ten, I think take out Notre Dame because I think they're going to lose to Clemson and put in More than Ohio possibly State. Possibly twice. Right, and put in Ohio State. In my opinion, if if the Pac if the Pac twelve doesn't play then your four playoff teams are most likely going to be those four big conferences playing. It's going to be the champions of each one of those. The Big 12, Big 10, SEC, and ACC champions. What if there's a two-loss team that wins? 
I hate I hate looking at I hate that. Exactly. <laughs> I hate thinking but about this that. This could be the year that you see a two yeah. loss team. And I I agree, but I think it and it kind of gives the college football committee a, an out of saying, well, if they won their conference champion championship, they're in. And and if it continues to be those four and look, the Pac-12 doesn't play, then I think it perfectly sets up to where you have the championship for each all four, all four champions are the playoff teams. Yeah, I could see that. Let UCF in this year. Why not? 2020's been a weird year. Why not let them in finally? I'll let you keep thinking that. <laughs> Take it or leave it is next. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. All right, Nathan, we just talked some college football. So, take it or leave it. Two-loss team gets into the college football playoff. Leave it. Really? Yeah. See, I'm kind of going to take I'm going to take it. Because I think there's a possibility. Then who is it? Oh, look, I just asked if there's a two-loss team getting in. I didn't say I had a prediction for it. It's got to be an SEC team, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's kind of what I would think. I would think if you saw Bama-LSU meet up or Bama-Auburn meet up or Bama and overrated A&M meet up in a conference championship game, and we see a two-loss team from the SEC get matched up with, say, a two-loss team from – I don't even know if I want to say it, ACC. Say Notre Dame has two losses, both to Clemson, and LSU has two losses. Who do you put in? And LSU could have two losses to Bama. That's where I could see a two-loss team coming in. Okay. Because I think it's really possible that we see, and again, we're assuming right now that the Pac-12's not playing, and that could change, and that could change everything. But honestly, I don't know if a team from the Pac-12's coming out uh, to the playoff this year. I don't think so either, unless Oregon, Oregon has a great year. Oregon might be a team. Goes undefeated, maybe. Utah's going to take a big step back because they lost a lot of defensive pieces. Um, so I could see a two-loss team getting in as of now. Again, that could change when the Pac-12 comes in and someone wins one game there. But currently, I think I would have to. I'm going to take it. I really do. All right, take it or leave it. The Cardinals are closer to rebuilding than they are to being legitimate contenders. Man, that's tough. But I, I'm going to leave it. Because I think they're just a move or two away. I think if they get maybe one more like stable outfielder, this team's going to be is that can hit. I think they're going to be pretty pretty lethal. I mean, they've got one of if not the best like one of the best pitching staffs, both rotation and bullpen in in the majors. It's the offense that's lacking, and they have. Good pieces there. Wong, Wong, I think, has looked pretty good, and he's great defensively. Uh, Paul DeYoung, wildly underrated in my in my opinion. Always gets looked over by Javi Baez, yet he has better numbers in pretty much every stat than Baez, both defensively and offensively. Paul Goldschmidt has looked really good all year. Goldie has looked good all year. Yeah, so I think they're closer to being contenders than they are to rebuilding. I, I don't know. I'm really torn and, on this. And one. all these guys that we've seen come up from from the you know alt- alternate training site that we're calling it this year, all these pitchers and and everybody coming up, they've to me most of them have have looked really good and it's really promising for the future. So I think they're closer to being contenders than they are rebuilding. I kind of agree that they could be one piece away. So I'm I, I'm going to leave it. I guess. They could be one piece away from having a pretty good offense. And, you know, I'm looking at these numbers, and the offense isn't great, 
Part of that is because they're just not driving guys in when they're in scoring position. Uh, something along the lines, and I heard this on the broadcast last night, they have a 45% success rate with runners at third base and less than one out, which was like, I think, third worst in the major leagues. How do you not get a guy in with a runner at third less than one out? Or with nobody uh, out, I guess. Yeah, I, I, how does that – I mean, I don't understand how that happens. And and when, we say, when I say a big move, doesn't necessarily, necessarily have to be someone on the field. You talked about it before. Jeff Albert's probably out as hitting coach here soon. You get a good hitting coach in there, they could really change things for this offense. Yeah, I don't know if the hitting coach would fix this offense, if I'm being honest. Because to me, you look at it and you go, I, there's a lot of kids here that just aren't hitting. Lane Thomas, again, I'm not willing to give up on him yet. I look at Tyler O'Neill. To me, it's time to give up on O'Neill. Bader, to me, is still going to be in the lineup, but he's not going to hit a lot. Carlson will really be an X factor next year and could possibly take them over the top. We'll have to wait and see on that. So we're both going to leave it. Could this be the piece the Cardinals add? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will sign George Springer this offseason. I'm going to leave it just because that doesn't seem to be the Cardinals' normal way of working. Yeah, signing a good free agent <laughs> would be really like, really out of our window. Either, Is that too harsh to say? Come no, on, be honest. No, no. Uh, to me, the Cardinals will do one of two things with Springer. They won't pursue him at all. Or they will, and they'll sign them to a way overpriced deal. Is that not how they've worked lately? Oh. I mean, I'm <laughs> going to leave this, take it or leave it, because I don't think they're going to sign him, because like you said, it's not really the carnal way. I don't know if they'd overprice him, though. Because to me, Philadelphia really overpaid for Bryce Harper, and it was... Clear well, that the Cardinals weren't going to give him that kind of a contract, it, but that, I think that's a, the same thing that's going to happen with with Springer. <sighs> they're gonna they're gonna pursue him, but it's not going to be the numbers that they want, so they're not going to do it. Springer will probably. I don't think Springer will sign with that big a contract because of COVID. I, well, see. I'm not saying that it's going to be that big of a contract. I'm just saying he's going to want more than what the Cardinals are willing to give him, so they're going to let him just walk away, like they've done so many times. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. Take it or leave it, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten and will make the college football playoff. If there is a playoff, because we still haven't heard that from the NCAA, uh, I will take this. I will too. Ohio State, to me, is a clear favorite in the in the Big 12. And as I talked before... You mean the Big Ten? Or Big Ten. I know, it's, it's difficult. Well, the Big Ten has 12 teams. The like Pac-12 has like 13. It's weird. Uh, what are numbers, you know? Uh, but Ohio State to me clear favorite in the Big Ten, and as I said earlier, I think the I think right now if the Pac-12 doesn't play, then it's top you know the four champions get in. So I think uh, Ohio State clearly the best, and they get in. Yeah, I agree. I think Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten by far. I don't even think Michigan's close. I could honestly see Harbaugh could lose his job this year, and that's tough to wow. say. Because a pandemic year would be kind of tough to remove a coach. Uh, take it or leave it. We will see a top 25 team besides the two that are playing, Miami and Louisville, fall this weekend. I think I'm going to leave that because there's not really any real major matchup to me. Maybe UCF getting taken down by Georgia Tech. That's about it. I don't mean, Georgia Tech's still kind of in a bit of a rebuild. I don't know if well, I see that I mean, one. All the, uh, only one, other ones you got, you got Syracuse, Syracuse looked awful last week. Yeah, against Pitt, they're they're gonna lose that one. Maybe Georgia State over Louisiana. What about Austin P over Cincinnati? 
first game for Cincinnati. We saw some teams come out rusty in their first game last week. Yeah, but they got like a really Iowa easy State. game here. I thought Iowa State's game was going to be what? easy against the <laughs> Raging, Raging, Raging Cajuns. Cajuns. Who are now ranked, though. Yeah, and they're playing so, Georgia State on the road. I don't think that's an upset either. No. There's no way Notre Dame's going to lose to South Florida. Appalachian State, not going to lose to Marshall. And Oklahoma State's not going to lose to, to Tulsa. And Clemson's not losing to the Citadel. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I'm going to leave that one. Yeah, I'll leave it too. Now the only one at... I could see is possibly Cincinnati, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to say keep an eye on Cincinnati. I don't think it'll happen either, but to me that might be one that could could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one here, take it or leave it. The Clippers move on from Doc Rivers and make Tyron Lue head coach after their debacle blowing a 3-1 series lead. lead. Yeah, disappointing loss there. I think I'm going to leave it. And I think it's just more of I don't I don't I think they still like Doc Rivers there. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna leave it. And honestly, too. But at the same time, I won't be surprised if it happens. I feel like if it was gonna happen, it would have already happened. Yeah, I agree. Because you blew a three-one series lead, and I tell you what, that may have been the best team to ever blow a three-one series lead. I mean, they were so deep, and they got guys from free agency in the middle of the year that got uh, bought out. You had Reggie Jackson get brought back. You had, uh, was it Marcus? or I think it was Marcus Morris was there. And then you had the starting lineup with Kawhi, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams coming off the bench, uh, Montrez Harrell. I mean, they were loaded, and they were up 3-1, and then they just gave up. I think part of the issue, I don't think it was on the, may have been on the coaching but Kawhi and Paul George barely played together in the regular season before the bubble came up. And then you have the pandemic hit. They're not with each other. Then you have eight games to kind of get back into your groove. And then you, they had a softball one there in the first round. But to me, it was just they didn't play enough. And I think they'll we'll see those guys play a lot more together in the regular season next year because they're both under contract. They're a team to watch out for next year. I'm going to leave it. I agree. Doc Rivers will stay with the L.A. Clippers. Tyron Lue may go coach somewhere else, though. All right, coming up next, let's discuss maybe some overreactions. I know Baker Mayfield got a win on Thursday night, but is he really the franchise quarterback in Cleveland? And is Gardner Minshew, Mr. Mustache, going to be the franchise quarterback at Jacksonville? No more talk of Trevor Lawrence. It's Gardner Minshew time. We'll discuss that. Overreactions on the NFL from Week 1. Next, you're listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show. As Love Col- me some Green Day. Yeah, big fan. Oh, yeah. I've seen them concert. They're great. Uh, not, not much of a concert guy, really. So, you know, more of a let's go to a sports venue. Kind of tell because, you know, hosting the sports show. So, But you don't like concerts? Not really. You know, they sound better on their albums because they can adjust it. Just like I sound better when I can edit what I say <laughs> because there's no mistakes in <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, if you see where I'm coming from here. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but you're still wrong. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> college football kicks off here in just about an hour. Week two of the NFL season kicked off on Thursday night with the Cleveland Browns defeating the Cincinnati Bengals. First time. I saw this posted on by, I believe it was ESPN. First time from high, from high school to now that Joe Burrow has lost back-to-back games. Welcome to the big leagues. Yeah. Welcome to the show. You're probably going to lose more than just two. Let's be honest. Just saying. Probably going to happen. He hasn't looked too bad. He hasn't they have, bad. They don't have a defense there in Cincinnati. Yeah, if you can't. Well, 
I don't want to say if you can't stop Cleveland, but Cleveland, I'll be honest, I don't think they have a quarterback. Uh, Their run no, game's pretty I'd say good. They, just, they, and, they ran over. Yeah, they just ran the ball. Well, let's start with our first NFL. Am I overreacting? Baker Mayfield is not the Cleveland Browns franchise quarterback. Just read you some stats here. Week 2 versus Cincinnati, 16-23, 219 yards, 2 TDs, an interception, 98 QBR. But when he played a good team like the Baltimore Ravens, 21-39, 189 yards, a TD, an interception, QBR of 33.4. Well, something to kind of keep an eye on, though, is that Odell Beckham Jr. in their first game only caught three of his ten targets. So it's not maybe just... Baker, it could be, you know, there's other issues that could be there. I personally still think that Baker Mayfield is going to be their franchise quarterback. Really? Yeah, I think he had a rough start this the, at the beginning of this year, but I think he's going to improve, and I, th- I think they're going to do a little bit better than 500, and then I think next year he really takes off. Wow. I To me, he's got weapons, and he should play better than what he – especially if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to have to be able to beat teams like Baltimore – on the road, and there's no fans right now. Some teams are going to start getting fans as the season comes well, along. Well, we'll see about that because uh, apparently someone at the Kansas City Chiefs game got COVID. Yeah, tested positive. Although I think I saw that they it hasn't they haven't been able to trace it back to anybody else at the game, which is a good sign. Um, but to me, he's going to have to be better. I mean, in Cincinnati, he throws for 219 yards against a bad defense, like we said. All he did was run the ball. You're not going to be able to do that all year. So to me, he's going to have to play better, and this is the year I think that they have to decide, is Baker our quarterback of the future or not? And if not, they probably get a transitional quarterback for next year. Maybe Fitzmagic's still playing next year, and he's going to be in Cleveland. Who knows? But to me... Rolling out there in a wheelchair, just, I'm ready to go, guys! <laughs> His beard's dragging along the ground, he runs over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he may be the quarterback in Cleveland <laughs> next year. All right, am I overreacting? The New York Jets will finish with the worst record in the NFL fire head coach Adam Gase, and move on from Sam Darnold. Last week, Sam Darnold, when they were at the Buffalo Bills, 21 of 35, 215 yards, touchdown and interception, 19.3 QBR. The Jets' offense only mustered 254 total yards and were 4 for 11 on third down. So am I overreacting? Jets finished with the worst record in the NFL. Fire the head coach, move on at the quarterback position, and it's a brand-new-looking team. I don't know if that's a complete overreaction, uh, I think they're still high on Sam Darnold. But in terms of them having the worst record, I'm not putting it past them. I'm not either. They looked really bad last week. They did? Really bad. Miami's still a concern. Uh, I know we'll talk about them in a little bit. But, yeah, I definitely could see them. You know, they had no run. They had no run offense. They had 52 rushing yards total. And Le'Veon Bell got hurt, pulled a hammy. Right, so and they went to. Then they go to uh, Mister. I don't know. I don't know what to call him, Mister. He's been in the league forever, Frank Gore. Yeah, yeah, they did. If you're, no offense to Frank Gore because he's a great running back. One of the. I don't know if I want to say one of the best of all time, but one of the most uh, underrated. One of the most underrated running backs of all time. I'll agree with that. Great years in San Francisco. Played a couple good years in Indianapolis. PG running back. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, at this age, eh, not so much. So I don't. So in terms of, I don't know if they'll fire the head coach, but oh my god, Adam Gase is so bad. So he like ruined Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill's off in Tennessee. I mean, he didn't play great in Monday Night Football against the Broncos. He's off in Tennessee, where all he has to do is hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and throw a couple screens. But you know, when they beat uh, New England last year and they beat uh, the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, he had to make a couple of big throws in both yeah, those did. games, and he did. I 
to me, Adam Gase is like one of the most overrated. Co- they brought him in to be like the Sean McVay or the Cliff Kingsbury, and like I don't even. They got like the Jeff Fisher of head coaches <laughs> in terms of their offensive ability because they were they didn't even look ready last week. Like I think they were down. What was it like twenty one nothing? Or they they were like blown out in the first quarter. Yeah, it, had, it, like, it wasn't good. It was bad. Well, you mentioned Miami. Am I overreacting? Fitz Magic wasn't so magical against the Patriots. It's two a time in Miami. Uh, Fitzpatrick, 20 of 30, 191 yards, three interceptions, somehow had a 72.7 QBR. Am I overreacting? It's time for Tua. I, th- I think you might be overreacting a little bit here just too early in the season. you got to remember that that Patriots team, sure they you know lost Tom Brady, obviously, but that defense is still loaded. But they lost a couple pieces because some players opted out. They did. Now, they still have Gilmore because he had a pick still, in that yeah. game. Stephon Gilmore is, is, is uh, insane. And, so and I, they've got the young edge rusher in, what, Van Noy from Michigan? Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, yeah I think he's, he's a good player. Um, so you may be – but I think Dante – did Dante Hightower take the, take the year off? I thought he signed elsewhere. Or he might have. I don't remember that part. Let me find out. I'm getting ready to look at the yeah. box. Well, more. yeah. Um, regardless, I think it's a little bit too early because – I still think this Patriots team is one of has one of the best defenses in the league, so I think it might be a slight overreaction. Now, if if they have the same problem this week, then I think you start to look at maybe it's two a time because you got to wonder too how how is Tua completely ready, especially coming off that injury was it was it a hip? Yeah, the big hip injury yeah. at Alabama last year. So you got to really wonder about that as well. Well, we'll see, because they take on the Bills this week. Well, that's another Look tough defense. Good. Yeah, and then they get Thursday Night Football at the Jacksonville Jaguars, so that may be when we that, see Tua, because that could be a good confidence booster quick, for them. Right, and a quick turnaround. Yeah. See, I think I think, I think you play the kid. I don't even see why you're playing Fitzpatrick. I mean, he was cleared for week one. Maybe he's not up to speed on the offense. I think that's a, a legitimate uh, reason he may not have played last week. But I think you have I think you have to look at playing him sooner rather than later. Get some of those first year woes out of the picture already. Uh, am I overreacting? The Dallas Cowboys are going to have another mediocre season. Lost the Rams twenty seventeen on Sunday Night Football last week. I don't I don't think it's an overreaction. I think they are. Really? I mean I think. I mean they've got a lot of weapons there on that offense, but I don't think that defense is up to par. And they suffered a big injury with uh, Van. No, Van. What's the linebacker's name? I'm drawing a blank. Leighton Vanderesh. Yeah, he's out. Collarbone. Well, and then their tight end, he tore his ACL on a non-contact play. Yep. Which, by the way, I really hate seeing that video, and I know it's been going around because they had a perfect camera angle on it. The poor guy. All he all he did is went to go make a cut and got slightly pushed, and he went down. It was it was tough to watch. I honestly I didn't even see the video, but it's he he goes to make a cut, and right when he does, I think it was. Ramsey on him and he just gave him a slight nudge and then you saw him cut and his knee went not nah, you're not going that way well, <laughs> I, I think this could be a little bit of an overreaction I still think the Cowboys offense will be a lot better than what it was and honestly the Rams defense kind of surprised me last week as a Rams fan I hate that you I hate the earrings fan. I had to bring it up because I knew you'd say that um as a Rams fan the defense was a lot better than I expected and I don't expect the defense to be that good. Now, they still have pieces up front, and Aaron Donald, uh, I think Lloyd, is it Lloyd Floyd? Is that his name? The, they brought right. in from the Bears. 
But really, their only corner is Jalen Ramsey. The rest of that back, that back part in the secondary, not great. Linebacker, they lost Corey Littleton. He went elsewhere. To me, it was just one of those games where they had a great defensive scheme. And they're in a new system. No more Wade Phillips. Looks like a f- newer, kind of modern defense. I thought they looked good. So I'm not going to say overreaction. I think Mike McCarthy will kind of figure it out. With Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, still a pretty good offensive line. And you got some wideouts. You got uh, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, Michael Gallup. Oh, I forgot about Gallup. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be. A I hope CeeDee Lamb has a big. He's on big, your fantasy team. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, am I overreacting? The San Francisco 49ers are suffering a Super Bowl hangover like the Falcons did back in 2017. I don't think so. Arizona's just that good. No, I don't. I don't think you're overreacting. I think they are oh. having a hangover. See, I can't say that because I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I don't. I definitely don't think that's happening. I don't know. I'm still high now. George Kittle, Kittle's injury. He has been ruled out this week. Is a big factor because that's a huge loss. Yeah, and their wide receiver, wide receiver group, not great. Uh, but I still, I still have confidence in Jimmy G. I still think Jimmy Grapple's good. I still like the 49ers defense. I just think Arizona's going to be that good. I honestly believe the NFC West is the best division in football. And I understand the NFC South has Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan. But Atlanta's defense, to me, question mark. And to me, a lot of those first-round picks they have are guys that kind of disappoint are disappointment first-round picks. Uh, so I think I don't think this is an overreaction. We'll see. They get the New York Jets this <laughs> they week. They get the Jets, but, so it should be a win. But they have to go from the West Coast to the East Coast playing at noon which means they're playing at, what, 9 a.m. their time, I think? Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. All right, let's do one more here. Sorry about that. My laptop was not muted like I thought it was. Uh, am I overreacting? Aaron Rodgers is back and is a serious candidate for MVP. Against Minnesota, 363 yards, four touchdowns, 93 QBR. So this one made me mad because the person I was playing against in and fantasy I had Jamal Adams going there. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Aaron Rodgers. No, no, no. So this person had Jamal Adams and Julio Jones, who for the like three quarters had a combined thirteen points. One finished with thirty-three. One finished with forty. I was so angry because <laughs> that's why I lost. However, I don't think this is an overreaction. I do think Aaron Rodgers is back. I think drafting Jordan Love really lit a fire under his butt, and I really think they they. Um, our co- he's more confident now than ever. Do I think he's a legitimate MVP candidate? No. So slightly overreaction in terms of MVP. I think MVP comes down to Mahomes, Jackson, Russell Wilson. I'd agree. I think this is a slight overreaction. I'm not even going to – actually, I'll say this is an overreaction. I'm not convinced he's back yet because Green Bay, besides Jamal Adams – not a lot of they didn't really add much offensively. Uh, they should instead of wasting a pick on a quarterback when they clearly have their franchise quarterback yeah, they for the next three hurt, years. Yeah, they definitely like. hurt Rodgers and not getting stuff around him. Yeah, it, it almost felt like one of those moves by uh, their head coach of you know what I want to prove I can develop a quarterback. I don't need a veteran. They play the Lions this week, who are have a better defense. We'll see how Aaron Rodgers deals with them. The Vikings are a little beat up on defense, especially in their front seven. Uh, they were missing one of their best edge rushers, so this is an overreaction in my opinion. We'll have to see, but and like you said, MVP candidates, Mahomes, Jackson, Wilson. I'd even throw Kyler Murray in there. I think he could have no, a big I, year. Not compared to those three guys, though. 
well, I don't know. I, Russell, I think Jackson's going to be a little to bit To me, mad. Russell Wilson right now is the best player in the league. This season, right now, the Russell way he's Wilson. played. The way he is he played in week one. Yeah, but you got to remember, Mahomes didn't have to be great in week one. No. Week one, my week one MVP was Russell Wilson. I agree with that. He did scorch the Atlanta Falcons defense. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will predict every NFL game. And what do you think? You think you think you could out? You think you can do better than me? I I think I won last year. I know we didn't keep track. But uh, we it just didn't keep felt track, like a but you definitely yeah, you definitely did. I want to keep track this week though. All right, we'll see who wins. What should, we'll we'll figure out punishment over break. <laughs> And we'll oh, let no. you know when we come back. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show as it's time to make our NFL picks. Me and Nathan came up with the punishment over break. Oh, I don't like, I don't, uh, it makes me a lot more nervous now picking these, by the way. You better make the right pick then. I know. So, loser, and we're going to do the full season. And we may team up with the guys. We'll talk uh, who, to them. Who do I want? Who do I want? Do I want Tucker or do I want Ethan? Oh, we're teaming. Oh, well, I feel oh, like it should be wanna, oh, like okay, okay. us I first. I like the yeah. idea that those two. Well, we don't know their picks, though, this week. We'll get them from them. We'll just say they were over 15. <laughs> Loser has to jump. or yeah, do I guess a polar jump. Bl- Loser plunge. has to do a polar plunge in December, which doesn't <sighs> sound great. No, even it doesn't. Even though it feels like it's 70 outside, but it won't be in December. It definitely not. Unless we get lucky, but I really don't expect that. Well, let's get into it. Pressure's on. First one, New York Giants travel to the Chicago Bears. Who are you going with? I got the Giants in this one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I know I know Mitch Trubisky looked good last week, and the Giants didn't. But the Giants are facing Pittsburgh, who had one of the best defenses in the league. I'm going Bears at home. We already got a difference. All right. I think Trubisky looked good. Giants, to me, aren't going to have that great a defense. They still need some help at corner. I'm going to take the Bears in this one. Next one, Atlanta Falcons travel to the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? I'm taking the Cowboys at home in this one. Yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys, too. All right. Detroit Lions visit Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Who are you going with? Uh, I've got the Packers all the way. Go Pack Go. I'm going to agree. Give me the cheese head, baby. The Packers are getting a victory. Aaron Rodgers will scorch the Detroit Lions defense. Next one, Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans. I'm big on the Titans. I really am. I like uh, Ryan Tannehill. I like the offense with Derrick Henry running the ball. Give me the Titans at home. Gardner Minshew just got lucky last week against the Colts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This Jaguars defense is a little questionable, especially after getting getting rid of Ngakwe and that run. Being able to stop the run is going to be questionable. To me, the Titans are going to run all over this Jags team. Next one, Minnesota Vikings travel to the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams had a disappointing week one. Who are you going with? See, this is going to be interesting. An interesting matchup. I'm taking the Vikings in this one. I think they're going to play, their defense is a little bit better, and uh, the Titans are not – I'm sorry. Looked at the wrong matchup. The Colts, they lost their running back. So it's going to be interesting to see what they get from Hines and Taylor there in the backfield. And Phillip Rivers might not be what he was. I'm going Colts. I'm not big on Kirk Cousins. He lost a weapon in the offseason and Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo. I think they could still run the ball. I think Jonathan Taylor could have a big game, even though I think they're higher on Hines right now. I think both those guys could run the ball a lot. Rivers had a lot of time. The numbers last week, I think it was something along the lines of like Rivers only was pressured like four times. It was insane. He's never had that kind of protection when he was with 
San Diego slash LA Chargers. So I'm going to say Colts win this one. Rivers gets his first win as a Colt. Uh, Buffalo Bills travel to the Miami Dolphins. Give me the Bills. I don't yeah, know yeah. Miami stands yeah. a chance. Like I said, Tua might be in the game next week. Yeah, and and the Bills have a great defense. And Josh Allen, I think, had the by far had the best game of his career so far. And I think he's the real deal. Yeah, and now that he has a weapon at wideout in Stephon Diggs, yeah. I think we're looking at a good Buffalo Bills team. I think so, too. I think they win the AFC East. Any argument there? No. No Cam Newton, New England? They're good, but I think this Bills defense is really what's gonna, the, going to carry them. I'm intrigued to watch when they finally play. I, it's going to be a good game. 49ers travel out east against the New York Jets. 12 o'clock start. That's a, a 10 o'clock start for San Francisco, their time when they're on the road. Who you got in this one? 49ers. Really? Even going on the road? This, out east? This Jets team is awful. They, they are pretty bad. Like, Jimmy, I, I'm i not as high on Jimmy George G. George Kittle? I know, but I'm not as high on Jimmy G as you are. But I think he's going to cut up this Jets defense. Along with their, their running attack, it's going to be hard to stop. I think they may struggle early, but I think the 49ers defense is good enough to stop yeah. whatever that Jets offense is. So right. I'll say 49ers as well. This one intrigues me not just because I'm a fan, but also going out east the is tough for yeah. West teams. The L.A. Rams travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Oh, this one, this one, because the Eagles are so beat up after week one. Well, not only that, they gave up a 17 to nothing lead against the Washington football team. Yeah, and it almost, I'm so torn. And the Rams going out east, they historically have not done well when they go out east. I'm not big on Carson Wentz. And they're banged up in, in the running back area, too. Yeah. Now, I think the Eagles are getting a little support from the O-line this week. I think someone was coming back. I can't remember who. But, oh, man, I'm so, I don't think the Rams' defense is going to do as well <laughs> as it did last week. I think the back, the linebackers and the corners may struggle. Jalen Ramsey may play well. Oh, this is so tough. I'm going to say uh, Eagles. I am. I was about to say, I'm going to take Eagles, but I think this is going to be a close one. Even though my heart says Rams. Uh, Broncos, Drew Locke, the f- former Missouri quarterback, travels to Pittsburgh to take on Big Ben and the Steelers. Who are you going with? I got the Steelers in this one. I think their defense looked really good, and Big Ben looked back, and he looked healthy. I, I think Big Ben didn't play great on Monday Night Football. He looked a little rusty. I think he has a better game this week. I'll take Steelers as well. I I don't know. Broncos offensively didn't look great and really mismanaged that game in the end. Don't let Mike hear you say that. He's playing golf. We're yeah, fine. You're right. uh, next one, Panthers at Tampa Bay. Boy, I almost said Tom Brady, but I almost like <laughs> didn't want to come out uh, against Tom Brady and his Buccaneers. So this one's interesting to me because really, yeah the pan the the Panthers looked good offensively, but their defense lacked. That's what I'm saying. Their defense was bad. But and we kind Tampa of they didn't that, look though. that good though. Now the one thing though is that they're going to get more from Leonard Fournette because he's going to have more time with the offense. I think the I don't know the running game looked decent last week. Yeah, I think the Buccaneers are going to bounce back and they're going to win this one. I think they do too, and I think this could be a blowout. I really do. Really, uh, I think the Buccaneers win this one again. The defense for the Panthers didn't look great. They've got a lot of young kids there. Uh, I think the Buccaneers win this one. Uh, the Washington Football Team travels to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray. I mean, are we both on the same page here, Arizona? Yeah. Yeah, I think Kyler Murray and De- DeAndre Hopkins was a beast last week. Yeah. What a dumb trade by Houston. Uh, <laughs> the Chiefs travel to the L.A. Chargers to take on Tyrod Taylor. Who are you going with in this one? 
Chiefs all the way. Yeah, I, I, I think I mean the Chargers looked looked pretty good. I mean Tyra Taylor looked good, but it's hard to top, stop this Chiefs man. This offense Chargers, has so many weapons. Chargers front line is pretty good though. Yeah, but they're I mean their defense just not and, I, and I, I, they don't I have the they, speed to to match is part yeah. of the problem. Other I, than Chris Harris, you've got nothing on that secondary. Yeah, I think they could stop the run, but I think they'll struggle against the pass, and that's where Mahomes will dominate. I think I've got Chiefs. Uh, Ravens at Texans, the big game this week on CBS. Uh, or no, sorry, the Chiefs game is on CBS. Ravens at Texans, who you like in this one? I like the Ravens. I mean, Houston struggled with Kansas City, and then they're getting basically a, a mirrored matchup there in, in uh, Baltimore. With maybe a little bit less option, less weapons there. I'm going to make this kind of my upset pick of the week. I'm going okay. Houston. I, I Deshaun Watson, I think, will play better. Again, he's going to have trouble getting the ball off his hands. He's going to struggle against Baltimore's front line. But I don't think Baltimore's as explosive as Kansas City is. I mean, look at their running game. To me, not as explosive. Right. Uh, wide receiver corpse. Eh. And, and something – well, going back on this Chiefs game real quick, something to look at real quick is – Patrick Mahomes last the last couple seasons have has been just really kind of a gunslinger, just you know, heave ho down the field. He's methodical this year. It's scary. It's scary for defenses to watch that. Yeah, he's gonna. The Chiefs are gonna be good for. There might be a new <laughs> dynasty in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dynasties, the New England Patriots, theirs may be over, but they're one and zero under Cam Newton. They travel to Seattle for Sunday Night Football. Who are you liking this one? This one's interesting. I like the Seahawks. Because their def- their defense, they found a- they found their defense again. It may not be the Legion of Boom that they had a few years back, but they still have a really good defense. Russell Wilson looked really good. I think we're we've seen good from Russell Wilson this year. I think we're seeing great. Yeah, I agree. Last year, I said Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in the NFL. I think he's behind Mahomes, and that's it right now. And you said their defense. Jamal Adams was all over the place last week. He was insane against Atlanta. That was a huge pickup for them. Yeah. I like I like Seattle as well. And then Monday night football, the Saints travel to Las Vegas, which feels weird to Sounds say. Sounds weird. To yeah. take on the Raiders. Who you going the Raiders. Uh, no, I'm taking the Saints. Uh, I really like what their defense does. They've got a really good defense there. They're able to shut down Tom Brady. And even though I believe they're without Michael Thomas. Yeah, he's going to be out. Right, but they've still got Emmanuel Sanders and Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. And Drew Brees, to me, is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Ooh, I know, I, I know ooh, he had a, I know he had a ooh. rough week last week, but he he has broken so many records. He's so accurate; it's it's insane. I st- I really like this Saints offense with Drew Brees. I can't say I can't say that I I do think the Saints win this one, but I think Drew Brees is on the way out, and I think he's retired next year. And either Taysom Hill or somehow Jameis Winston is their starting quarterback. Unless they're going to make a play in the draft, which I don't see, and I don't see a free agent that they're going to make a move for. So I'm going to say Saints win this, but again, Drew Brees struggled last week. I think his struggles could continue, especially without his favorite target, target in Michael uh, Thomas. Josh Jacobs looked pretty good last week. Derek Carr was okay. I, I mm, still in a matchup of Derek Carr and Drew Brees. I'm taking Drew Brees every time. Yeah, I agree. Well. Hopefully you'll be taking a polar plunge in I, December. No, 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 no. That'll be, be you, my friend. No, I'm not taking the polar plunge. Maybe it'll be <laughs> one of the other guys. Maybe it'll be Maybe. Ethan or Tucker. Uh, when we come back, 
let's talk some more Blues hockey. We now know that Petro is looking at possibly hitting the free agent market. Is there a chance that the Blues could trade his rights? And also, the Blues made some other lost someone this week. They lost their assistant GM to the Arizona Coyotes, and they hired a new assistant coach. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show. As it's, let's talk some more Blues hockey. Well, your hands are not going to be in the air after I say this. <laughs> no. uh, Petrangelo. Again, we touched on it in the first hour of the show. Looks like he's going to hit the open market. And as of right now, it looks like he will not be a St. Louis Blue next year. As well, We don't know that for sure. He says he still would like sure. to get a deal done with the Blues, but they just aren't on the same page right now. It doesn't look good. No. It does not look good. Uh, again, it was reported last night that contract talks between the Blues and Alex Petrangelo have broken off. The team has advised Petro to pursue free agency. It had also said that the Blues' offer is $7.7 million per year, and Petro's camp wants as high as $9.25. Uh, so an interesting thing I saw last night, and it was tweeted out by Pierre Lebron, just as we had talked about how on Tuesday Petro had talked with him, said he was disappointed that a deal hadn't been done, and he tweeted out, could the Blues look at trading his rights? So in the NHL, you technically have the rights to a player until free agency starts. And you can trade those rights, and we saw that with the Carolina Hurricanes, who had the former Blue and Joel Edmondson. They traded his rights to Montreal, who then signed him to a four-year, I think it was four-year contract extension. Could the Blues look at doing that? Is that really a possibility? Do you think the Blues could really do it? Because I don't think so. I don't think so, unless there's for sure going to be a deal that's going to be made. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't see that with anyone. Because, like I said, like I like I said earlier, Toronto I know wants to make a push for him, but they have so many you know cap space issues. They have their own cap space issues. They've got a lot of restricted free agents, free agents that they need to deal with. So I I just don't see it happening. I don't either. And like you said, there's going to have to be a deal in place because you're not going to trade, let's say a second round pick or even a. I don't think you'd give up a first for him. Let's say a third. Let's say you give up a two thirds, and then you can't sign him to an extension. Like, that'd be like the worst move in history. Now, Bishop was traded to, let's remember back to Ben Bishop. He was traded to, Tampa from Bay. Tampa Bay to, well, no, it's not with the Blues, sorry. Oh, okay. When he was a starter in Tampa Bay, was traded to the LA Kings halfway through a year. When his contract was up, they traded his rights to Dallas, and then Dallas signed him. That's where he is now. I don't think, it, I can't remember the last time I've seen someone trade away rights to a team, and then they don't re-sign him. Like, you're not just throwing away a third-round pick for nothing. So, but wouldn't that be interesting? If the, like they're like, yeah, we'll trade you, trade you to him, and then Petro goes, "Hey guys, sign me back." <laughs> like, how angry would that? Guys, be? I'm so sorry. I don't want to go to Detroit. I don't that think was, that's where he's going. But just right, imagine yeah. that conversation. Like, yeah, we're gonna trade you to, to Detroit, and then Petro goes, "Just sign me, sign me back, sign me back." Do you think that we could see him in another uniform? Well, I mean, we know that, but another uniform in the NL Central. NL Central. <laughs> the Central Division. And then National League Central Division. National Hockey League. Sorry. <laughs> you knew what I meant. Come on, back me up here. The Central Division? Is that what you're going yes. for? Yes. No, I, I don't. Uh, and I really hope we don't. That's going to be really worrisome if he is. And really weird to see. It's really weird to see. Because I'm not sure of who would. Who, who would? Well. I know we talked it. To- 
over a break that Colorado might, but they've got a lot of restricted free agents as Co- well. Colorado and- has a lot of restricted free agents. I'm trying to pull up the uh, numbers again for these teams. But Colorado has a lot of cap space. Right now, I don't even think they're at the minimum. And again, though, they had, according to what I was looking at, 13 of 23 spots covered. But they had, I think we said, what, seven restricted free agents? Yeah, something like that. Plus, you got to remember, in the next couple of years, they're going to have to have a big payout for Kale McCarr. Yeah. like He's going to draw a big paycheck for... Uh, either that or they're going to have to let him go, and I don't think they want to do that. Yeah, I don't think they'd let him go. Would you rather have a... Let me ask you this, if you're Colorado, would you rather have a Kale McCarr for coming into his the prime of his career... Or an Alex Petrangelo who is is hitting his prime, but you don't know how long it's gonna last. Right now, I'd probably say Petrangelo. Really? Because Petro, like you said, prime of his career, Colorado's in a win now window. So we're so are the blues too. Yeah, so are the blues, which is why I really think they need to get this deal done with Petrangelo. Uh just to give you an idea for teams in the central division, Colorado currently isn't even at the minimum. The minimum uh, is $60.2 million in cap. They are at 59 and they have $22 million in cap space. But like we said, a lot of restricted free agents. Dallas has $15 million in cap space. They've still got a couple guys they have to bring back. Minnesota has $11 million in cap space. Looking at the Predators in Chicago, about $8 million each in cap space. God, if he went to Chicago, whew, that would be... Uh, that would hurt. That would stop. That would hurt. Uh, and I think that's it. I'm not seeing, unless I skip past somebody in the Central Division, didn't say. But Colorado would be interesting. I don't think he, oh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg is at $15 million in cap space too, but they've got a lot of restricted free agents to take care of as well. Colorado, I think, could make a deal happen. I don't think they, I don't know if they will do it, because like you said, they've got the young defenseman coming up that they will have to sign eventually. It's something to keep an eye on, though. It really is. Yeah, it, it it really is, and it's kind of worrisome. But there are other there are other players as well, even defensemen, that are out there that could that could get looks. I mean, uh, Dustin Bufflin, he probably won't. Tyson Berry is an unrestricted free agent. Justin Schultz, Tory Krug, those are all guys. I mean, TJ Brody. The one thing that's kind of worrisome in terms of potential possibly going to Toronto. I mean, just looking at this, they have two right-handed defensemen that are unrestricted free agents. So they are open in that spot. But they are a little bit tight against the cap, as right. we talked about earlier. Uh, Toronto currently has $6 million in cap space, and they still have uh, five open spots with four of those. Well, they've got four restricted free agents, five restricted free agents. And then, like you mentioned, they have two defensemen that are going to be unrestricted. Uh, I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that he'd go to Toronto. I know that he's, I think he's from Toronto, if I'm he not is, mistaken. Yeah. I just find it hard to believe that they could make it happen. I, just looking at, again, the cap space is kind of tight. I don't know. Unless they're going to go with kids in terms of forwards. I mean, you got John Tavares, right. Austin Matthews, you could rely on. Uh, William Nylander, not a bad player. Um, I don't know. I just don't see Toronto. And you know, you, you know what's kind of crazy? Because I, I, I've pulled up on, on cap for a new which I'm sure you're using as well, that, you know, all the defensemen that are are free agents and Petrangelo's numbers compared to all these guys are insane. It lists by cap hit, but just looking at this, one stat that really jumps out to me, 
He's a plus 11. Here are the next guys that made just below him going down in their plus minus. Minus 7, minus 13, minus 4, plus 1, minus 12. Then you got 7, 7, 4, minus 4, minus 12, minus 3, minus 2. And you get to an Ottawa, a former Ottawa Senator Ron Hainsey. The 15th guy on this list is at plus 10. Yeah, I mean, he's by far the number one guy on the free agent market this year. Let's look at goals real quick. Petrangelo, 16. Then you got... Five, three, nine, two, five, four, one, two, two. You see what I'm getting at here? This is th- these stats are why Petrangelo needs to be signed. It's gonna be tough, and I don't know if they can do it. Real quick, do you think he takes a one-year deal for the nine million that he wants? I think a team could make that happen easily. I don't think so. I think he wants long term. I think he wants. What if he can't get it? If he can't get it somewhere else, we've seen the Blues are offering long-term. Sure, it's a little bit less. And and the whole, you, you know, I think Jeremy Rutherford tweeted last night, Blues offered 7.7 AAV, but they didn't say, they wanted them to sign it without looking at the way it's structured. Which to me says, it's backloaded. To me, that says we're going to keep us under under the cap, maybe like five or you know whatever he's at this year. This year he was a cap hit of six point five million. So why not do that? Sorry, I guess Siri thought I was talking to her at some point. But why not? It sounds like they're trying to do that to keep themselves under the cap and then backload this contract when they have a little bit more open cap. I don't know. Let, let me ask you this: Say the Blues contract is. You know, that 7.7 AAV for uh, seven years. If he's offered eight annual sal- eight million for the annual, annual average salary for the same amount of time, would he, do you think he takes the Blues offer, or do you th- think he takes that extra point three? Well, I think it depends who's making the offer, because if it's a team that could still win now, then yeah, I think he takes the eight. I think he takes the point three. I don't I, think so. I really do. I think... I think you look at it and say, okay, let's just say, for example, that it is Colorado that makes that offer. I'm looking at Colorado, and I'm going, yeah, I have to up and move my family, but I get an extra 300000 a year. Plus, this is a team that's going to be good for the next couple of years, just like the Blues. Yeah, the Blues kind of shortballed me on their first offer. Yeah, I want to stick in the division. I want to show them I'm going to Colorado. Uh, that would hurt. If, as a Blues fan, that would hurt me. It would stink. That's true. Well, let's take. Well, also let's mention this real quick. Uh, the Blues did name a new assistant coach this week. They are going to hire the former Stars coach who got fired this past year, uh, Jim Montgomery. Uh, he went sixty forty three and ten with Dallas in his one and a half year, I guess we'll call it, as their head coach with one hundred thirty points. He's going to run the power play two for the Blues. Uh, the power play under Montgomery in Dallas was at sixty one for three hundred two attempts. That's twenty percent success rate, which in his only full season. Uh, which was last year. Wait, this year's gone. Taking forever. 2019. When they lost to the Blues in seven yeah. in the playoffs, they ranked 11th in the league. What do you think of this hire? I like it. I love it, actually. I, I, I love it. I thought he was he did fairly well in, in, in Dallas. And with losing, I believe it was, who was the assistant coach we lost? He decided to go back home to his family. I think it was Mark Savard. Yeah, I think that's right. Who was great here. Uh, but bringing him in Montgomery is going to help that power play, which was lacking 
the uh, toward the end of the season, and I think it's 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 a good complementary to what we already have in this coaching staff. Craig Berube and Steve Ott have a great thing going right now, and adding adding this t- level of talent as an assistant coach when he probably could have been a head coach somewhere shows a lot about what what the Blues have going for them. Yeah, and he also uh, was a big fan of the way the Blues played, so. Uh, I think he'll fit in nicely too. Right, and I know we got to get to break. I want one one more quick question: If Alex Petrangelo does not come back, who has a C on their chest? Ryan O'Reilly. I agree. That is exactly what I was going to say. Also, Bill Armstrong, named general manager of the Arizona Coyotes, he's got a big task ahead of him trying to re-sign <laughs> Phil Kessel and maybe or, sorry, Taylor Hall. Not Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall. Yeah, Taylor That's who Hall. I meant. Uh, r- real quick before we go to break. I promise we'll get to a break. <laughs> Who do you like winning the Stanley Cup? Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Dallas Stars. This Tampa Bay team is really good. And, and they're Andre- even without Stamkos. Right. More and likely. I- right. And Ben Bishop not in goal for the Dallas Stars really gives the edge to Tampa Bay, who's got Andre Vasilevsky. Also, I'm pretty sure almost every game for the Stars against the, the Golden Knights, I'm like, I'm, I want to say the three or four of those games went into overtime. So these guys are tired. So what's your prediction? I'm saying lightning in five. I was saying lightning in six. So we're about on the same page. Yeah. I almost called it a sweep, but I kind of figured they could get one game. I think Pat Maroon is going to be back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. Kind of a good then, story. Kevin Shattenkirk, former Blue. Yeah. Who is also going to be an unrestricted free agent this year. I don't think they bring him back. I was going to say, I don't think they're bringing <laughs> him back. Are you like trying to hint at that? No. All right, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss Matt Carpenter. Is, he gonna, is it time to bench him? And also, we will have maybe some headlines you may have missed this week in sports, and then we'll do trivia. Me and Nathan haven't looked at the questions. Ethan sent them to us. We'll see who does better. I don't know. There may not be punishment for that one. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show. As Before we get to trivia, some headlines you may have missed. We want to talk a little more Cardinals baseball, and I feel like I'm sure Ethan and... Nathan Tucker always bring this up every week during the show. Can we bench Matt Carpenter already? I'm not. Gonna, I don't know. I don't want to say it even nicely. It is time for Carpenter to be put on the bench. If Carlson continues to mash like we saw last night, yes, because Edmund goes the third. I don't care if Carlson's not hitting. Carpenter has to sit. Looking at his numbers since Saturday, again, we did this for the outfield. The outfield was a total 19 of 50, batting 200, not great. Matt Carpenter since last Saturday's show. Ten games, four for 27, a homer, three RBIs, a double, eight strikeouts, no walks. Remember, Carpenter used to be an on-base machine. He's got a 148 on-base percentage, 296 slugging. Oh, and by the way, he's 0 for his last 19. Yeah, he needs to sit down. This is not the year to go, oh, maybe he can turn things around. No, this is not the year to do that. Well, I think this was the year to do that. At the beginning, yeah. At this but we're point, past that point, fifty no. games or not fifty, but getting close to fifty, maybe at fifty. What were they? Twenty six, twenty six. So we're close. Twenty four and twenty four. So yeah. Yeah, we're almost fifty. Yeah. So I I don't understand why we're still playing him. I really don't. And it's don't obvious know. his bounce back here. And even though he's looked good in spring training, he's hitting the ball the other way. It hasn't translated. Now it brings up the question. Do you start him again next year? Do you try it again next year? He's under contract again. I, th- I think it all depends on what you got in that outfield. Because if you got three solid outfielders, then no. And unless he shows a 
wide range of improvement. And the, what they'll probably do is they'll probably do like they did at the beginning of this year. Edmund at third, Carpenter DHing if the DH is back. And oh, yeah, oh. I don't I don't like it, but it looks like it's probably gonna stay. So So when you say know. that, do you think they bring back Brad Miller? I don't I think they do. And I don't think he's gonna like right now I think his contract is at two million, I think it's per year. Or for, well, for this year. Yeah, he's making two million exactly this year. I think you could see him come back on maybe four or five million. I don't think he's gonna go to the mark and be like, Hey, I had a pretty good offensive year. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Because I know they wanna see they still wanna see what they have in some of these outfielders and stuff. So I don't this is tough to see. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm. Let, let me put it this way. I'm glad I'm not John Mozeliak or Mike Gersh. That's all I'm saying. Or Mike Schilt. I mean, looking at Car- Carver's going to make eighteen and a half million over the next two years. I mean, what do you do? Do you just? I don't think they're going to eat the salary. I w- no. To be honest, I was shocked that they ate Brett Cecil's salary this year. I was too. Uh, that one because it just didn't really seem like a move me. they would do. No. But they did it, and after this year, they're off the books for Mike Leake. Which is which is funny to Finally. say, uh, and they're off the books for Cecil because they're still paying Cecil, so that's going to be free. And I know heading into the season, we probably would have been saying, "Oh, maybe a buyout Fowler. Fowler's got sixteen point five million. He's looked He's good looked this good. year. I think Fowler's looked really good. So to me, what I do for the Cardinals, I do it now, right now, and it probably is what's going to to me is what would be the lineup next year. Is I, again, I don't see them going outside the organization next year is you make Tommy Edmond your third baseman. And he's been swinging the bat well the last 10 games, yes. as we mentioned. He's hitting three, 10 for 31, 323 batting average, 417 on base. You know who uh, he kind of reminds me of, Edmund reminds me of in terms of hitting? David Eckstein. Uh, I could see that a little bit. Um, kind of a smaller guy. Yeah, smaller guy. Like infielder. That runs and, and swings the bat fairly well. He's, he's, he's a spark plug. I could see that a little yeah. bit. I, I just don't know if you can honestly say, though, that Tommy Evans, your answer at third base, no. going well, long term. Well, no, they've got Nolan Gorman coming up, who I think, who I believe the Cardinals believe are their long term long term options at third base. I could see that. But with the Carpenter situation, again, the $18.5 million, to me, even now, and looking ahead for next year, assuming Gorman's not ready, is Edmund should be moved to third. Because, again, I don't think he's that great of an outfielder. We saw he no. made an error last night just trying to charge in on a ball. Um, Dylan Carlson's your left fielder. Harrison Bader's your center fielder. Sadly. And Fowler's your right fielder. And you I agree. could still look for a center fielder. Lane Thomas, maybe he's the guy. Uh, short season again for him. Maybe give him another look. I don't think O'Neill can play center field. I know that we were talking during the break that Carlson could be a center fielder, but I think he's better off in one of the corner outfield spots. Uh, I think Jim Edmonds has said that on Fox Sports Midwest. I think he could be a guy that starts, could be your future right fielder, which opens, again, another hole in left field. I I just don't understand. Again, Carpenter, 0 for his last 19. In his season, it's not like he's had hot spurts. I mean, what, he went maybe 3 for 10 once? Yeah, something like that. It's it's not been good, let's put it that way. Uh, one other thing real quick. Who takes Dakota Hudson's spot in the rotation now that he's going on I.L.? I like Gomber. I think Gomber's pitched very, very well. I, I like what I've seen from Gomber. I know Ponce de Leon's done fairly well recently. Johan Oviedo's done well, and and he came in contact with somebody in COVID, so he's just they're taking the precaution, and he's been out. I think he is actually back now. But I really like Gom- Austin Gomber. I do too, but I just don't feel like he's stretched out enough. 
at this point in the season. So I kind of like Ponce, which really you're not going to need it because we're getting ready to go to the playoff. Well, theory, but, we're going to the playoffs. Well, but you got to remember this this postseason. There's no days off. True. So I think Ponce. Though, I think Ponce has looked good his last I, two. Starts. I like Ponce too. I I like the, I like having the combination of Ponce and Gobbert. Kind of like a one-two punch. Yeah. I could see that. I really could. Plus, you go righty to lefty. Yeah. I I really do like Pond's stuff, though. He looked really good last night. Yeah, you know, he, he gave did. up the two-run bomb. I mean, a bomb that went into the yeah. river. Other than that, well, I his last he couple, really His good. last few starts, he has a total of 19 strikeouts. He has struck out nine yeah. his last start. So he, He's looked really good. Yeah. Uh, some headlines you may have missed this week before we get into trivia. Joe Buck's going into the NFL Hall of Fame. That was announced on Thursday Night I Football. Albert Pujols, former Cardinal, homered twice last night to pass Willie Mays for fifth all-time. He's now 662. Congrats to the machine. It's insane how good of a career he's had. So I heard this the other day. Obviously, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Does he have a logo on his cap? And if so, which one? Or is he one of those guys that has no logo? To me, it's a Cardinals logo because that's the best years of his career. But he's hit some of the major milestones in L.A. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I don't know if he, I don't think he goes in without a logo. I think he'll have. I mean, it's a Cardinals one. Maybe that's just a home fan bias. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I know Larusa went in without a logo. Yeah, but he won a World. Well, no, he didn't win a World Series with two teams, right? I think he won it with Oakland, didn't he? I don't remember. No. Oh. Uh, Tiger Woods misses the cut at the U.S. Open. Shot seven over in the second round. Yikes! Not great. And the 2020-2021 college basketball season is supposedly going to start November 25th. This is the year I have my perfect bracket. Just saying. <laughs> Don't you say that every year? Yeah, but this is the year. 2020 has <laughs> been a weird year. All right, all right, Someone's all right. due for a break. Why not? All right, let's get to trivia. Again, I have not looked at these. Ethan sent this to me last night. So here we go. Losers buying lunch. That's what we decided That's as fair. our punishment. That's fair. That's fair. First one here. What team holds the record for most consecutive wins in MLB history? Is it the San Francisco Giants, Cleveland Indians, Chicago Cubs, or Oakland Athletics? What was the question again? <laughs> what team holds the record for the most consecutive wins in MLB history? Most consecutive wins? I'm going to say the Giants. I think it's the Indians. I think they did it a couple years back. I'm going uh, Indians. It's okay. either them or I think it could be Oakland because they usually they went on a tear yeah. one year when they were really bad. Uh, second one here, what was the last or who was the last team in NFL history to go 15-1? and one? The New York Giants, Seattle Seahawks, Pittsburgh Steelers, or Green Bay Packers? Go 15-1? and one? Yeah. What were the options again? Giants, Seahawks, Steelers, Packers. I think it's the Packers. Yeah, I think so too. I think they, they like I don't got think... upset by the Vikings one year when they were going for a perfect record or something. And I don't think Big Ben's done it. Seattle, I don't think Seattle... done it. Giants Wait, definitely did... didn't do it. No... I don't think the Seattle did Seattle do it back when they lost the Super Bowl. I don't think so. Why am I helping I, you? Lunch is on the line. <laughs> uh, in the 2011 2012 season, Anthony Davis led Kentucky to a national championship. Who did they defeat in that national championship? Was it Michigan State, Duke, Kansas, or Villanova? I answered first on the last one. This yeah, is I know. Was it Duke? I think it was Kansas. I'm gonna go Duke. Might be Duke. Duke. Eh, I'm going Kansas. How many different teams has Jimmy Butler been to the NBA playoffs with? One, two, three, or four? Where did he start his career? Chicago. He started in Chicago? 
I think so. I think he was with Chicago. Thibodeau was with him. Then he went to Minnesota, then Philadelphia, now with Miami. I'm going to say he's been, I know he's been, I don't know if he went with Minnesota or not. I think they I think they got in one year. I'm going to say four. I'm going to say three. I don't think he went in with the, the Bulls. Okay. Uh, last one here. This is closest answer wins this one. Since 2000, how many NBA players have won back-to-back MVP awards? Since 2000? Yeah. How many different players have done it? Have won back-to-back, yeah. Or just how many NBA players? I guess maybe I don't know. I think. Is it how many times it's happened? How many, how many NBA players have won back-to-back So it's NBA how many awards? different players have done it? I think. I think four. Really? I think two. I think the only people that would have done it would have been LeBron and Giannis. All right. Well, I was thinking Kobe might have. I don't know if Kobe did, though. Oh, well, maybe not because Shaq was around, too, and they always competed for it. I'm going two. It's probably higher than that. I'm going to go four. Watch it be three, and we're right in the middle. (laughs) All right. Let's get the answers here. The first one, what team holds the record for the most consecutive wins in MLB history? Oh, wow. San Francisco Giants in 1916 with 26 wins in a row. Let's go. That's one for me. What? I thought you said someone different. No, I said the Giants. Who was was the last team in the NFL to go 15-1? and We both said the Packers, didn't we? It was the Packers in 2015. 2-1. In the 2011-2012 season, Anthony Davis led Kentucky to a national championship. Who did they defeat in the national championship? You said Duke, correct? Yeah. I said Kansas. It was Kansas. They defeated them. Uh-oh, it's 67 two to, two. to 59. It's 2-2. Two to two. How many different teams has Jimmy Butler been to the NBA playoffs with? I said four. I said you three. You said three because you didn't think he's been with Chicago. Yeah. It was four. He's been with every team that he's played for, the Bulls, the Timberwolves, 76ers, and the Miami Heat. And then the closest here, since 2000, how many NBA players have won back-to-back MVP awards? Five. Oh, Wow. We tied. <laughs> Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, LeBron James. Oh, it's not different players. It's just back-to-back. LeBron James oh. has done it twice. Oh, I forgot Curry did it, and then Giannis did it this year. Okay, so if we, even we went off just how many players, it would be four, so I still won. Okay, look, okay. But we tied. Yeah, we don't have a tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, rock, paper, scissors for who buys lunch, I guess, or are we paying for ourselves? <laughs> I guess we're paying for ourselves now. All all right, well, that was a little disappointing because I was hoping for lunch. Yeah, me too. That I wasn't going to have to pay for. All right, well, Nathan, that wraps up fun, the sports man. show. Dude, the band got back together. Yeah. And then we're going our separate ways again next week. Yeah, pretty much. As the guys will be back, Ethan Hannaford and Nathan Tucker will be back, be back with you guys next week. For my partner, Nathan Piercy, I'm Tanner Hendrickson. You've been listening to the WLCA Sports Show here on College Radio's Best. Hey, everybody. Yeah.